Good morning. We're going to ask you at this time if you'll take just a moment and watch a video to be played at this time. As you know, yesterday uh, was Veterans Day, so we're going to ask if you have served uh, in the military, uh, if you would just stand uh, this morning before we go to worship. If you have served in the military in any capacity, if you would serve, there's multiple branches that we want to recognize if you've served today. So we today just honor those that have served and uh, all that they have done over the years. And we're going to ask you to stand all over the house. We're going to open up in prayer as the worship team makes their way. We'll open us up in prayer. We're going to jump into worship today. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you today, Father, that we are in your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Father, we thank you for the men and women that have served so faithfully our country. Give us the freedom to be able to come to church today to lift up the name of Jesus. So, Father, we pray every song that is sung, note that is played, message that is given, scripture that is read would be for the advancement and the upbuilding of the kingdom. We give this into the loving arms of our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the people of God said amen. Amen. Let's worship together by singing this old hymn of the church, Glory to His Name.
morning as we get ready to receive our tithes and offerings today. Let's remain standing for prayer. Eternal Father, Lord, we love you and we glorify you and we magnify your name. Father, we thank you today that we are gathered in your house to worship you today. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just be with your people today. Lord, as we pray over this offering, Lord, I pray you would bless the gift and the giver. You would bless those that have to give and those that may not. Lord, I pray that at some point those that can't give today, Lord, you would bless them so at some time they can give for all that you have done for them and blessing them. Father, I pray today that everything that is taken in this offering today would be for the upbuilding and the advancement of the kingdom of God. We will forever give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. And let's greet each other today in the Lord. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Get it into this temple to give you glory, Lord. Lift you, Lord. I know it's kind of crowded, so that's okay. Do like this and spread out just a little bit. I think it'll be all right. We needed the rain. Uh, well, I would prefer to have the rain without the cold weather, but the Lord sent what he sent. And we're happy for it and give him the praise for it because we really did need the rain. If you listen to your Sunday school lesson this morning, you found out about wisdom. And if you don't get wisdom from listening to your buds all the time, that's what happened. I came Rohoboam. Rohoboam. I never can pronounce it right. Rehoboam. Rehoboam. Okay. I get it right. However, in Proverbs, his father wrote, <coughs> Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. This is 
in Proverbs 3, starting with verse 13. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heaven. By his knowledge the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Thou shalt, then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. It stops in verse 26. The Lord is good to trust. He gives us wisdom if we seek it, and we seek it honestly. He'll help us to make decisions. He'll help us to do the right thing. He'll help us to continue to lift up and keep his ways if we will listen and if we will do. So unlike the king, let us pay attention to what the Lord's got to say, and let us seek for the wisdom that we need to conduct everyday life and to conduct the business of the church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer for those that are sick. I know we still have Sister uh, Brenda and Brother Kassan. You know, need to lift them up and keep them. Uh, we have others in the church that need a touch today. And I'd like to remember that the Lord will remember them and touch them and be with them. There's a lot of people that are not here, some due to sickness, some due to work, some because they're traveling, some because they just didn't come uh, because of the weather. But ask the Lord to be with each of them. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and lift you up. Lord, we thank you for everything you have done. Lord, we thank you for the touch that you've given to people, in, even in this congregation, Lord. We thank you for your visit last week. Lord, you were here in such a glorious way, and you touched us and lifted us up. Lord, we thank you for helping us to gain wisdom, Lord, when we need it. I pray that you will continue to abide with us and keep us. Touch each of those that are sick. Touch each of those that are working. Help them to be worthy of their hire. Lord, I pray those that are traveling, you'll keep the traveling mercies around about them, the angels around about them. And Lord, for those that are not here because of personal reasons, I pray that you'll work those out and let them understand that the joining of the saints together is important. It's important because we can touch each other and lift each other up. We ask all these things in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. This time, Sister Lila Faye is going to come. She's going to be singing for us today. We all know that Jesus has promised us a home. Let's keep our faith.
remain standing. Let's stand again all over the house. Let's remain standing this morning. Let's sing today about how we are thankful for the change Jesus made in our lives today. Let's worship.
Jesus today. Oh, we are so love you, Lord. We are so honored, God, to be in your presence today. We magnify you, Lord.
Jesus Christ. Father Lord, we know that we are not saved had it not been for the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, we know that there's not healing without the blood of Jesus Christ. There's not deliverance without the blood of Jesus Christ. There's not wholeness and, and restoration of marriages and homes without the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, today I pray that 
we get ready to break the bread of life today in this house, God, that same blood that saved us, changed us, chastised us, convicted us, God, would be the same blood that would be in our midst today. Father, today I pray that every note that has been played, song, song, message, scripture that's been read, would have been for the advancement and the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. Father, I give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray, and the people of God together said amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 2. I came in this morning behind Brother Barnes, and it made me realize, you know, um, we come on Sundays. Sunday afternoon, some of us. Brother Barnes travels further than any of us. He's 90 years old. I realized this morning coming in, in the rain and cold, he still came. So nobody else, other than being sick, and I know some are sick, have an excuse to come to church. There's no excuse. If this man in his 90s and his wife can come to church, travel as far as they do, and in and in weather too, nobody has an excuse. Nobody. And, you know, I, this is me. It don't really say it in the Bible, but I believe this. Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. And the purpose of that, I believe, was because one always needed to be with the other, to pray over them and to guard them and to protect them. One spirit protecting the other. And if we sit at home, we don't have that. We don't have that spirit. When, when we come here, we do. We have more than one. We have the protection of a lot of spirits of Christ. All of us. Lately, I've been going, I've always walked through my neighborhood. I live in an old folks' neighborhood. But for some reason, lately, They've wanted to pour into me stuff that they've never done before. And I believe it's because it's what God wanted. And they poured into me, and I told the pastor, I've never felt exhausted just from people telling me stuff. But when I come here, and with all y'all, and see your faces, and, and feel your spirits, and the love you have for God, it empties it all out of me. God takes it back from me. But he only does it if we're here. We can't get that at home. We can't get it. You can sit and watch it all you want to on TV. But you can't get that connection with Christ if you ain't with him, with his family. And here, to me, it is a family. I've seen things in this church that I don't imagine a lot of churches have seen lately. Seeing what happened with Sadie, Brianna, myself. And I've seen so many other people in here that's been healed. Christ didn't promise to heal us physically, but he did promise to heal our spirits. And if our spirits are healed, our physical healing comes from that, I believe. Because I believe if we have a happy and joyful spirit in us from Jesus, we'll have that physical healing and I just say that if this man can do this none of us has an excuse 
God has certainly been good to us all. As you're turning to Psalms chapter 116, let me just quickly mention a few things to you. Uh, next Sunday morning after church is our uh, annual, our, if you will, Thanksgiving meal as a church family. The church already has provided the turkey, the ham, and the dressing. We already have that taken care of. Um, but what we need is the rest of the foods, uh, macaroni and cheeses, green bean casseroles, all that stuff. So if you are coming next week and are able to be a part of that, if you'll sign up and kind of let us know what you're bringing just so we don't have 30 people make macaroni and cheese. Um, I love macaroni and cheese, but I don't want it 30 different ways. So uh, if we can find out what other options we have. We'll have ladies. Uh, Miss Ann and some others are already on board knowing we're going to have some help with serving and things because we don't want a bunch of waste. So we'll... You know, have people to help you, your children, things like that. But it'll be next Sunday morning after church. You can bring it, your stuff with you to church, and we'll get it all set up for you. We'll, this week, while we're in the office this week, we'll set up the tables and chairs. Get ready for it, but it's a great time for us. We'll just hang out together and, uh, and, and enjoy fellowship together uh, as a church family. With that being said, uh, we will not have Sunday night service, but we're going to do a Tuesday night service. We do this every year for Thanksgiving. We move up our Wednesday to Tuesday. Uh, to a candlelight communion service. We are going to have it here, but we have been um, talking with some of the other churches that I have the privilege of preaching in their churches and, and going to their churches. They were struggling as well, trying to figure out how to make it. So we're going to have a community-wide Thanksgiving service. We're going to be the host church, but we're going to have Victory Baptist and Oak Grove Pentecostal Holiness and Hickory Grove and all these other ones that are a part of our community. Now, we may not have everybody. It may get a little tight. We don't know. We've had CLM graduations. It's had north of 150, so it's doable. Um, I, I don't expect that we're going to probably have quite that many on a Tuesday night, but we're going to have a candlelight communion service. It is very powerful. We, we take communion together. We thank God for his blessings. It's one hour on the dot, 8 o'clock. You go home, get your turkey ready for Thursday. So, so come and join us, and you'll hear more information about that uh, next Sunday morning, but remember that and uh, as well. Uh, I also want to just make mention to you, we are also taking up offerings. You can just mark it on your tithing envelopes for the Home for Children's Harvest Festival offering. Normally they all ask different locations to bring things like grits or eggs or whatever it is for them to stock up and store up to feed the Home for Children. Well, it is sometimes a little more difficult for us down here in the low country to pack up hundreds of boxes of grits and things like that and drive them all the way to Greenville and have the time to do that. So what they do is they have a they have connections with some bigger like Sam's Club and others that will let them buy it at wholesale value. So if we give them money, they can buy it in bulk, but cheaper than they could buy it. We'd buy it if we bought it at Walmart. So we're taking up monies for that. So you just on the back of your tithing envelope, if you want to give, doesn't matter what you give. We've already got a set amount that we've already set aside. We know we're sending regardless if we collect that or not. If we collect more, we'll send more. But if we don't, we're going to designate a certain amount for that. Also, we are taking up monies, and we'll take up an official offering at the end of the month for the retired ministers. I believe in this. I believe in the ministers that have served faithfully over the years. They should be honored. Uh, the Bible talks about a man is worthy of his hire, and I believe we don't forsake those that have paved the way for us. And every year at Christmas, the Church of God in South Carolina gives an offering, if you will, to all our retired ministers and their wives uh, for their service. And so we... Uh, take money around here, same thing, we have a, a, a number we want to set aside for them, if we collect more, we'll give more, but we want to bless, we have them connected to our church, brother and sister Carlsey would have fit in that category when they were here, brother and sister Ard fit in that category, they will get that, these are men and women that have paved the trail, and so we want to honor them 
and, and, and the, the other ministers in this state uh, as well. So we, we want to make sure that we do that as well. So don't forget that. And also, the first Sunday in December is always our church Christmas party. I want to make sure that you give plenty of heads up. It, it, the November calendars are already out at the Connection Center, but by the time December rolls out, it'll be a little bit closer in for you to plan. So it's the first Sunday night in December. We move up service till 5 o'clock just to give you some more time to get here and things like that. Um, we always play a game. You don't have to, uh, where we do gift exchanges and play this fun game where we exchange gifts, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, the gift only has to be about a $5, 10 gift, not extravagant, elaborate. You don't have to think about $30 gift cards or anything. It's just a fun game to play together. And uh, we're going to have some other cool games. We're going to play some some uh, family feud-type games about church and things like that and do some cool stuff. And uh, that night, all we're doing is we're treating it like a snack night. So instead of having snack night at the end of this month, even though that's what the calendar says, we have decided not to do snack night at the end of the month and roll that over into the first Sunday of December and having a Christmas snack night where you can bring your cookies and your little smokies and your punches and your juices and all that stuff. And it's always a good time. So make sure you uh, remember that and, uh, and, and uh, make, mark your calendars to do that. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we have had a lot of fun over the years. Uh, it's really fun watching the senior adults fight over gifts. It's really fun. Um, they will argue you down for a plate. It's awesome, and I love it. And uh, so we want to make sure that, that you are a part of that. Psalms 116, let's jump into the Word of God today. We're going to read one verse of Scripture, and then we're going to hit the ground running today. I gave you the precursor of this message last Sunday when the Lord was moving, but uh, obviously the Lord had a different plan last week, and, and that's fine, and, and He always has free reign to change it anytime He wants to change it. Uh, but we want we wanted to pick up where we left off last week with that. Psalms 116, verse 12. What shall I render to the Lord for His benefits towards me? What shall I render to the Lord for his benefits towards me. I want to talk to you today on this idea, God, I owe you big time. We sang today about the blood of Jesus. We sang today about being thankful for the blood of Jesus. We owe God a lot. Uh, we owe God a lot. God's been really good to all of us. and We owe God a lot. Let's pray together. Eternal Father, I thank you today for your love, your mercy, and your grace. I thank you. You are a very present help in times of trouble. Father, I pray today that, God, you would help me to preach your word that you have laid on my heart for the people of God. That, God, every word that is spoken will be for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Father, I pray that you would let our eyes be open, our ears be open, and our hearts be open to receive from the word of the Lord. Father, I pray that if there is someone watching online today, God, you go right now where they are and you speak to their heart today as well as we unveil and unfurl the pages of Scripture. Father, thank you for all that you do for us. And Lord, we ask that this word be life-changing, chastise us, change us, convict us by the power of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the people of God together said, Amen. You may be seated briefly in the presence of the Lord. As Brother Man, Randy mentioned earlier, we had a lot of people uh, that are out today. And uh, one of those, Brother Larry, was not able to be with us today. He kind of got called out late to, late to go to work on Friday to Jacksonville, Florida, thought he was only going to have to go there Saturday morning and turn around and come back. Well, as you know, he did not make it back. And so uh, my brother-in-law came and filled in today. And so I do want to make sure that I mention thank him for coming and helping the band out today and, and keeping us on track with tempo. So, yeah, we can give, if you want to give him a hand, we appreciate that. Um, we, we're so thankful for that. It's hard to play the piano or the drums at the same time. It's doable but very difficult. So uh, we appreciate that. 
God, I owe you big time. You need to pray for me because I uh, am getting, I think, some kind of sickness because this past week I decided that uh, I was feeling, I don't know, really, uh, you know, nostalgic in my thoughts and my patterns. And so I, I'm, I'm coaching basketball and I left basketball and I called Brian and said, what do you want to do for dinner? And we debated it. And anyway, long story short, we ended up going home and, and all that stuff. And for some strange reason, I decided I really wanted peppermint hot chocolate. That wasn't the problem. The problem was the fact that I agreed to watch a Hallmark movie while I did it. And so this past week, I have watched a Hallmark movie with peppermint hot chocolate before Thanksgiving. I don't typically watch it, period, but much less before Thanksgiving. So please be praying for me. I don't know what sickness has come upon me, but I rebuke that foul spirit in the name of Jesus. And I want to go back to my coffee and my murder mysteries. And I want to get Hallmark out of my system. But when we talk about this thing about owing God big time, there's probably many of us in this room. You have had somebody in your life bail you out of a jam at some point. You know, bogged down your car in the mud and they came and pulled you out. Or maybe they have helped you in a time of crisis. Maybe you had people you thought were going to help you move your house and they canceled on you and you called your buddy at the last minute. They came and helped you load the U-Haul truck to get from point A to point B. You may have had somebody that you needed help and they said, I'll come cut the grass or, hey, I'll come help you pressure wash the house. And, and if you've had that before, you've probably, Brother Wayne, or if, if people like that have done that, they probably have said the person to the person helping them, hey, how much do I owe you? Let me buy you dinner. Let me buy you lunch. Let me, let me take you out to dinner sometime. Let me give you some cash for your gas. You know, let me pay for your gas. And, and if they're a good friend, most of the time they'll say no, no, no. But, but you still say, no, 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 let me, let me help you. How much do I owe you? What can I, what can I do to, you know, you helped me out in a big time. You, you, you bailed me out. You, you, you did this, so what can I do to repay you for what you've done for me? I would say that that's the same question that we should say to God, too. God, you have bailed us out more times than we failed to count. God, what do I owe you? What do I owe you? Now, to God, what do you give the man who owns everything? Cattle on a thousand hills, mansions galore, streets of gold, gates of What do you give someone who owns everything? Well, he told us. You're just giving you. You're the best gift God wants. He doesn't. Listen, I'm all about tithes and offerings. I'm all about missions. I'm all about advancing the kingdom of God. God doesn't need your money. He needs you. Because once he gets you... The money, the time, the talent will follow. He first has to get your heart. He has to get you. In Psalms 116, we find the writings of David as he's beginning to ask that same question. What can I give back to God for all that he's done for me? The book of Psalms is obviously, you know, filled with songs of lament as well as songs of praise. Some of them are birthed, actually many of them are actually birthed out of seasons of difficulty. Many of them cover a wide array of topics by various authors. David has penned a quite large number of them, and he reminds the nation of Israel what they are to be thankful for. In all of David's writings in Psalms, you will find some kind of thematic message similar to this. You'll find him talking about how good God is, how his mercy endures forever, how God is a redeemer, how he delivers us from distress and darkness and destruction, how wonderful are his works to the children of men. 
How he liberates us from bondage. How he is a God that still heals. How he is a God that calms storms. How he is a God that gives material prosperity. Can I tell you that David is not the only one that has experienced that. God has redeemed us. God has delivered us. God has been wonderful to us. God has liberated us. God has healed many of us. God has given us blessings time after time after time. We too have so much to give God thanks for. In Psalms 116, David is in some kind of crisis. He is greatly suffering. He acknowledged that the only reason he is still making it is because of God's goodness. We know that David establishes the facts that being appreciative unto God for all he has done, he knew that we must learn to be thankful for the winter winds as well as the summer sun because you cannot appreciate one without the other. Now, I didn't know God would have a sense of humor. Last week, I had this sermon prepared. It was a nice, balmy 75, 76 degrees last Sunday. Beautiful sunshine. Beautiful, beautiful day. The Lord changed the plan. I did not know when God was going to talk about winter winds and summer sun and how we had to appreciate one for the other that he would allow today to be brutally cold and rainy for you to appreciate last Sunday's sunshine. I had the esteemed privilege yesterday to go watch the Carolina football game. That was the most miserable I had been in a long time. It was brutally cold, and it did not stop raining. I had three different jackets on, a poncho, a hat, glasses, and still thought, I am stupid for standing out here. My recliner in the heat with peppermint hot chocolate is better than this right now. I suffered through the elements. The reality of it is we can't appreciate the beauty of summer. We can't appreciate the beauty of winter if we don't have one and the other together. In the winter, we all are going, oh, God, please send summer. Please send the spring. spring. Let's freeze and go. We get to summer, you know what we say? Oh, God, send us winter. Send us some cold air. We can't appreciate one without the other. David established a few things. The first thing I want to talk to you about is David's, David established that he had to love God. Look at what he said in verse 1 through 3. I'll have it on the screens here. I, this is what David said, I love the Lord. Because God has heard my voice and my supplication. God, I love you because when I say God, when I say Jesus, when I say Lord, you stop heaven and you listen. I love you because you hear me when I talk to you. Nobody wants to be in love with someone that every time they try to talk to them, they get ignored and don't hear them. That gets old. David said, I love you because you heard me. Because you, Lord, have inclined your ear to me, therefore I will call upon you as long as I live. The pains of death have surrounded me, and the pains of Sheol have laid hold of me, and I have found trouble and sorrow. What David is saying is, no matter what, I have experienced the good, the bad, and the ugly. God, I love you because every time I needed you, you were there. When no one else was there, God, I could depend on you always being there. Rain or shine. You were there. That's, that's, that's something to be thankful for. God hears our voice. He listens. He is present in our suffering and pain. Have you ever pondered how much love it must take someone to willingly lay down their life for the sake of someone else freely? I read a story one time of an eight-year-old boy who had a younger sister who was dying from leukemia. He was told without a blood transfusion she would die. 
His parents explained this to him, that his blood was probably compatible with hers since they were siblings, and if so, he could be a lifesaver. They asked him if they could test his blood. He said, sure. Sure enough, he was a perfect match. Then they asked, would he be willing to give his sister a pint of blood that gave her a better chance of surviving? He said, I'll think about that. The next morning, he woke up, he went to his parents, and he was willing to donate the blood. So they took him and his sister to the hospital where they put him on a gurney right beside his six-year-old sister. Both of them were hooked up to IVs. A nurse withdrew a pint of blood from the little boy, which was then put in the girl's IV. As the boy lay on his gurney in silence while the blood dripped into his sister's arm, the doctor came over to see how this little boy was doing. The little boy opened his eyes and looked at the doctor and said, Now how long will it be before I die instead? Now, reality of the fact, while it has a little bit of comedic relief to that, he thought the only way his sister lived is he'd have to die, give her a chance to live. And I tell you, the only reason we live is because someone else had to die so I could live. I imagine Jesus being like that eight-year-old little boy in the Garden of Gethsemane. I know we all have all the theological words, but I wonder if Jesus in the back of his mind said, Okay, God, how long before I die so they can live? How much longer, Lord, does the agony and the stress, how long, Lord, this cup that I carry? Jesus was willing to die, just like this little boy for his sister. Jesus was willing to die for someone else to have a chance to live. How many times in our lives has the Lord listened and he showed up when we truly didn't deserve his help? I'm not talking about when life's good. How many times has God bailed us out when we didn't even in good standing with God? When we weren't in love with God at that moment or we didn't deserve God's help in that moment? Someone once said, it is natural to love someone that loves us, but it's supernatural to love someone that hates us. Jesus loved people that he knew would reject him. But he still did it because he loved them first. C.S. Lewis, the famed author, said this. On the whole, God's love for us is much safer, a much safer subject to think about than our love for him. What he is saying is, my love with God can change. It's conditional. God does what I want. I love God. God doesn't do what I want. I may not love God. But can I tell you, God's love is unconditional. He died whether I wanted him or not, whether I accept him or not. God's love is a much safer thing because God will love us every person that's died and went to hell. Every person that has not given their heart to Jesus Christ. Every person that's living in sin and direct opposition to the word of God. Every person that drinks. Every person that curses. Every person that, that defames the name of God. Every person that is in hell right now. No, not one of them have ever bypassed the love of God. The Bible said there's no height to his love. There's no width to his love. And the depth of his love is unsearchable and unfathomable. You can't outrun run him, you can't out sprint him you can't out give him you can't out move him, God's love is the same yesterday, today and forevermore, the only way you are separated from God is by your own choice, not because God stopped loving you he doesn't stop he loves you the same regardless David said the second thing I learned is I had to look to God for my times of help I not only loved God 
But I had to look to God. Look at what he said. When I called on the name of the Lord, O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I thank God every day that God loves simple people. Because I can promise you I am no Albert Einstein. Most of my days I am a simple-minded person. And I thank God he doesn't mind being with simple-minded people. I was brought low and he saved me. Look, if I go out there right now and I crank my car and it doesn't crank and it dies, one of two things is happening. State Farms Towing Service is coming to pick it up. Or I'm calling one of my three brother-in-laws and saying, how much do I owe you but fix this piece of junk? Because they could go under that car, Brandon, Joe, or John go under that car. They might tear everything up underneath that. I don't know what bolt they just lost. And they may say, that's one you really don't need. They put extra parts on these things and we didn't need that one. I don't know, but they'll get it cranking at some point. It, it may sound like a you know, 747 jet. It didn't before, but it might sound really loud, but it cranks. Okay, They'll get it running one way or the other. The reality of it is, I, there are things that I'm not gifted, if you will, into understanding. I'm not, Brother Henry or Brother Dennis is going to stand in an open room and I can visualize what needs to happen and where the joists and where the two by fours need to go and how this room's going to go and where we need to cut the angles. I may can have a generic vision of the final product, but not how to make the final product become reality. But they could stand in an open room and say, okay, well, we need to mark this and we need to do that to make this happen. I may not be gifted in that skill set, but I thank God that God loves the genius and God loves the people like me who can't put two and two and make four. Hello. Some of y'all are more like me than you realize. You should be saying amen. You know that. You know, not all of us in here, but some of y'all have, have struggled with two and two like me. Okay? I told y'all something's wrong with me. I've been watching Hallmark movies and drinking hot chocolate. Something's not right with my brain right now. I don't know what's going on with me. I got lost somewhere. I'm trying to find myself. Reality of it is David prayed to God for deliverance. Save me. But when he turned his eyes to God, look at what he said. God is gracious. He said, God is righteous. God is compassionate. He's merciful. He's got compassion. He said, God is a preserver. Whatever I give to God, God doesn't lose as he keeps. He's a preserver. And he said, he saves us. Not only does he give us grace, not only is he righteous, not only is he compassionate, not only does he preserve, but God will save us in times of distress. David was brought low, but God was right there with him. He thanked God for all the times, good and bad. I love the story of Samson. Samson said, God, will you remember me one more time? God, I, I, I served you, but I kind of got distracted. I got spiritually distracted, and I let the cares of this world and the allure of a woman kind of take me off course. And God, it poked my physical eyes out, and it got me grinding mill in a, on a millstone down in a dungeon. But God, as I stand here right now in the palace of the Philistines in the house of Dagon, and as I have my hands on this pillars, God, God, if you were with me with the jawbone of a donkey, and God, if you help me break off like flax and wax the 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 the, the ropes that they put on me God if you help me tie foxtails together and burn down the field God if you did it before I know I've drifted away from you I know I've screwed up my life I've lost my physical sight but God if in my spiritual man if I can look to you one more time will you be merciful and compassion and gracious and remember me one more time and the Bible said Samson with all his might pushed against those pillars and he killed more in his death than he killed in 
in his life. Why? Because he who began a good work is faithful to complete the work. Yes, you may have to deal with the consequences, but if God is for you, who can be against you? God will always remember you in times of crisis. One of my favorite Bible characters of all time is also the Apostle Peter. I, I can appreciate that man. He's Italian, in case you didn't know. He's not Jewish. He's Italian. Hey, he really is Jewish, but he's Italian. The reason I say that is because he's like a mafia guy. He really is a Jewish man, but I think somewhere down the line he had some Italian blood because he likes to carry swords and chop people's ears off. That is a cool, bad dude. He don't care. He, one day, is you know, one of the older disciples. He's always opening his mouth, inserting his foot. They're on the water. It's a raging storm. They see it, what they feel like is a ghost-like figure on the horizon. They call out, all of them call out, hey, hey! The ghost-like figure says, be not afraid, it is I. Notice Jesus did not say who I is. He just said it is I. Because God expects us to recognize his voice, whether we know who he is or not, we recognize his voice. The sheep know my voice. He said, it is I. He didn't say, this is Jesus. By the way, boys, hey, it's Jesus. He said, no, no, it is I. They should know who I is. Peter said, if I is who I say I is, then you tell me, get off the boat. And we know the story. The ghost-like figure said, come on. The story takes on its meaning. The longer Peter looked at Jesus, the more water he walked on top of and treaded across that domain. The moment he took his eyes off Jesus, he sank. He could no longer walk on water. He went under the water. That's why the Bible talks what's over my head is under his feet. That's why the Bible says that the waters, the heavens are like his footstools. His feet rest on the solar system. So even when I'm sinking at my lowest, the psalmist David said, if I ascend into the heavens, Lord, you're there. But if I fall into the depths of the earth, you are there. What Peter realized is if I keep my eyes on Jesus, I can walk above the cares of this life. But the moment that I let the cares of this life dictate who I am, I will sink and realize I needed you all along. You have to look to God. Proverbs 29 and 18 where there is no vision, people perish. You can't learn how to walk sometimes until you learn how to fog sometimes. A newborn baby is not going to walk until it learns the difference between falling and standing. There's no newborn baby that just one day gets a toddler, stand up, start walking, and never fail. They totter, and they fall. You can bubble wrap your house all you want to. They're going to fall because that's how they learn. Balance things like that you're going to fall on this spiritual journey but when you fall realize it's about how you get back up that makes the difference falling is inevitable what's the response when you fall that's where it comes one time Michigan State was playing UCLA in a big-time rivalry rivalry football game the score was tied 14 to 14 with only three seconds left to play Duffy Darty the Michigan State head coach sent in place kicker Dave Kaiser who booted a field goal as time expired and won the game when the kicker returned to the bench amidst all of the jubilation coach Doherty said to him nice going but son 
you didn't even watch the ball after you kicked it. Kaiser replied, that's right, coach. I was watching the referee instead to see how he signaled it. I forgot to put in my contact lenses today. I couldn't even see the goalpost. See, the reality of it is sometimes we can't see what's on the horizon, but if we look to the right person, we'll know where we're going. He couldn't see the post. He couldn't see the goal. But he knew if he looked to the referee, that's the one that would signal if it was good or no good. Can I tell you, you may not know what tomorrow brings, but if you keep your eyes on Jesus, even if you forget your spiritual contact, if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you may not know what's on the other side, but Jesus will make sure it's good. He'll make sure you're good. He'll keep you on the street now. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. He'll make sure to get you through. He'll make sure. Then he said, David said, I learned to lean on God. There were times in my life I had to just literally give up all, if you will, dependence. And I had my independence and I had to depend on the Lord. He's all I had. Look at what he said. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have been delivered, you have the Lord delivered my soul from death and my eyes from tears and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord and the land of the living. I believe, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What he is saying is, is God, I couldn't figure this thing out. Everything was crashing and burning around me. Well, the only thing I had to do was say, Lord, you're going to have to help me do this. I can't do this. I, I, you have been good to me. I, I can't do this. My only hope is in you. I can't find rest. I can't do this. That word bountifully is a Hebrew word, gamel, that literally means to be a good person or to be trustworthy. God showed us the depths of his and the heights of his love when he outstretched his arms on Calvary's cross. David takes a moment to go into a praise and thanksgiving, if you will. God, thank you for rescuing me from death, holding back my tears, keeping my feet from stumbling. I wonder how many times in your life God has caught tears or kept back tears from your life. David encouraged himself. He was a greatly, greatly afflicted. He felt like all men had turned their back on him. They were liars. He said, I got to a point that I didn't trust anybody. All men were liars. I didn't trust no one. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder if any of us in this house have ever been to a place where we felt like we couldn't trust no one anymore. Everybody we trusted seemed to be untrustworthy. He said, all men were liars. I can't trust anyone, he said, but I can trust God. He's all I got. Patience and affliction is the only way to appreciate help that God has granted. Troubles in our lives are the only way to appreciate the delivering power of God. Hurts and heartbreaks in our lives are the only way to appreciate the mending power of Jesus Christ. So David, by verse 12, says this. What do I give God for this? We read it. What do I render to him? What do I do? What can I give God in response? There was a poor man that was given a loaf of bread. He went by the bakery and he thanked the baker. The baker said, don't thank me. Thank the company who makes the flour. So the poor man went to the flour mill, and he found them, and he said to the miller of the flour, Thank you. But the miller of the flour said, Don't thank me. Thank the farmer who planted the wheat. The old man went to the farmer, and he said to him, Thank you for planting the grain. The farmer said, Don't thank me. Thank the good Lord who gave the sunshine and the rain for the soil 
to be fertile. Finally, the poor man sat down under a shade tree and was about to begin eating this fresh loaf of bread. He quickly realized he had forgotten to pray. Therefore, he said, God, I thank you for the baker. God, I thank you for the bread. God, I thank you for the miller. God, I thank you for the farmer. But God, I thank you because without you, none of them would have made possible what has been made possible. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter if Toyota made the car, Honda made the car, uh, if, if, you know, some, some you know, uh, famous uh, contractor built your house or you built your house yourself. doesn't matter if you buy your clothes at JCPenney or Dillard or you buy it from Walmart. doesn't matter who sewed the stitches together for the shirt. doesn't matter who put the buttons on the pants. Can I tell you, everything we have is not from anybody else but the good Lord. The good Lord provided the brain cells. The good Lord provided the tools. The good Lord provided the ability to understand it. Every clothes you wear. It, yeah, it might have been made by a manufacturer. But God still was the one that gave them the knowledge to make the clothes. Every car you drive, somebody had to put it together. Some part had to be made. Can I tell you, everything we had, had it not been for God, we would have nothing. Everything we owe, we owe it to God. Because he's been good to us. So what did he do? Listen to what he said. Oftentimes giving thanks to the Lord has become secondary in our life. So David said this. He said, so what I did, once I thought about what can I give God, I just praised God. I lifted him up. Watch what he said. I will take up the cup of salvation. I'll call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. Oh Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord in the presence of his people. In the courts of the Lord's house. In the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Can I tell you, whether you're at home, whether you're on the job, whether you're in church, whether you're with your family, you have a right to give God praise. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the afternoon. Praise him in the evening. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Lord. Praise the Lord. He prayed. He paid his vows. He praised the Lord. Ms. Carol, as you make your way, I've heard too many people say, Pastor, I'm just not an, I'm not, I'm a non-emotional person. I just don't, I'm not an emotional person. I've always wanted to take that person, bring him up to the front, pull out a hammer, put their thumb on the communion table, hit it with a hammer and say, but don't say anything, you're not emotional. Don't cry. You're not emotional. Don't scream in pain, because you know what? You're not emotional. Pastor, that's a, that's a cruel thing. No, no. My point is, we all have emotions. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God is a God of emotions. We all have, we may not all display our emotions, but we all have emotions. People are moved to tears. People are, get angry. People get frustrated. A lot of people say, right, Pastor, I, I'm not an emotional person. But then you go to their house and they're watching a sporting event and they're yelling at the TV like everybody at the, at the stadium hears what they're screaming at their TV. That coach has got a headset on. He ain't heard nothing you said while you're screaming over there. I mean, come on, you saw the guy was open. Like they heard that. They didn't hear that. But you're not emotional. You're not emotional. You're turning the TV off because they throw a pick six or you throw the TV off because they lost the game. You're mad. You leave. You're, but you're not emotional. 
can't speak to your friend across the aisle at church because they're a Carolina fan and Carolina beat Clemson and you don't like that so you can't speak to each other or vice versa you're a Clemson fan and so you can't speak to the Carolina guys but we're not emotional we're not emotional people I'll tell you something whether you are emotional or not God does hear it when you praise Him when you worship Him when you glorify Him when you live to God inhabits the praises of His people well pastor I'm not emotional great you don't cry kudos to you pastor I'm not one that's going to really shout in church good then lift your hands well pastor I, I'm not one that likes to lift my hands that don't take emotion that just takes effort so if you don't want to cry you don't want to shout then lift your hands Pastor, I, I'm just not one of those, those types of people. What if God would have said, I'm not one of those types of people who want to die for someone I don't know. I don't want to go to Calvary just hoping somebody will choose me one day. What if God would have been like, nah, I don't know if I want to do that either. Things would be different, wouldn't it? Verse 17, look at what he said. I will offer a sacrifice if the sacrifice means it's not going to be easy it's going to cost you something sacrifice that word sacrifice comes from the Hebrew word called zevak that word zevak literally means this to slaughter or to slay an animal it was the act of in that day and hour taking something that was considered a precious commodity to that family and be willing to give it up to Jesus and most of you, some of you, are on this journey with us reading through this fasting book by Jensen Franklin to set us up for our 21-day fast in January. By the way, you should be starting chapter 3 and 4 through this week. Be up chapter 4 by next Sunday. That's what fasting is all about. Fasting is not about you're trying to manipulate God. It's about willing to give up something to show God how much you want Him instead. You're not trying to manipulate God's hand. You're trying to show God, God, everything that I enjoy falls in comparison, fails in comparison to what I want from you. I want you more than coffee. I want you more than soda. God, I want you more than sweets. God, I want you more than my life. I want you. Sacrifice. That word thanksgiving is a Hebrew word called todah. It literally means to extend your hands, throw them up in adoration, and become a worshiper. That's what it means. That you worship the Lord. I'm not stupid. In reality, I know there is nothing we really can truly, fully give God to repay all He's done. We, we don't even have, even giving of ourselves is not even enough for all God's done. I know that's all He wants, but that doesn't even touch the bill. David knew this, yet he still wanted to display his gratitude in a tangible way. So how can we, like David, show our adoration and praise to God? I believe Andre Crouch got it right. I love a lot of his songs, but in his song, To God Be the Glory, I think he got it right. He said this, how can I say thanks for the things he's done for me? things so undeserved to prove your love for me there's not enough voices of angelic hosts that can express my gratitude but he said but to God be the glory 
With his blood, he has saved me. With his power, he has raised me. To God be the glory for the great things he has done. Why do we sing songs of corporate worship? Why do we lift up our hands in service? Because we realize that we are giving back to God everything we've got. Everything I have, Andre Kraut said, and everything I ever hoped to be, I owe it all to thee. That was the last tagline of his verse. Everything I've had and ever hoped to be, Lord, I owe it all to thee. Everything you want to be, everything you have, everything you are today, you owe it to God. Not me, not your job, not your boss, not your family. You owe it to God. I want to remind us before prayer today, we owe God big time. Everything we are. This church, beautiful place to serve. I love pastoring here. I love being a part of this church. I owe it to God, not to anybody else. I owe God. I know Pastor Art built it. I know many labored. I know many people have painted and spent many years in here. That's great, and I appreciate that, but I owe it to God because it was God who started the process. I love the fact we have a full band and a full worship team. That's great. I remember when there weren't. So I thank God every day when they're here. But I owe that to God, not me. All the abilities that we have to do across this property to beautify this campus. I appreciate people like Miss Brenda who does our flowers and beautifies the property. Miss Jennifer who decorates and all the other people like Miss Anna, Miss Tina and others who do things in the benevolent. That's great, but I don't, I owe it to God. Because without God placing that in their heart, we wouldn't have that either. It all goes back to God. So here's what I want to do today before we leave. I always am going to give someone the opportunity to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because I never want somebody to miss that opportunity. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to simply ask two questions. First one is that, if there's anybody in this house today that you don't know Jesus and you'd like to give your heart to Jesus as a testament of God, I owe you, so I'll give you my life. You want to get saved today? You just slip your hand out. No one looking around with me and Jesus. Is there anybody today? Don't leave anybody out today. All right, here's my second question, and then we're dismissed. Everybody in this room has a different story to tell. Everybody in this room has walked different places and crossed different paths. But every one of you in this room, you're here because of the grace of God. So what I want you to do today is I want you to take the next few moments. I'm not going to, if you want to come to the altar, you can. If you don't want to come to the altar, that's fine too. But I want you to take the next few moments for about three or four minutes before we pray the benediction. I want you to give back your praise to God, however you feel comfortable. But God, you tell God what you're thankful for. You tell God what you owe Him for. You spend this next three to four minutes just spending it with God. God, I owe you my family, my job, whatever it is, spend this moment together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Just worship Him, Lord, and pray. Look full into His wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strange beneath Him. In the light of His pray and thank the Lord as we sing it again. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. Will you look full into his wonder?
and the things of this earth will grow strange beneath him in the light of his glory and grace. Eternal Father, we are in this house today to say we realize that we owe you everything, everything we are, everything we hope to be, everything we possess, everything we've ever been given is not by any other person than by the hand, the providential hand of God Almighty. Father, this church, our families, our communities, our loved ones, our friends, everything is because God has dealt bountifully with us. God has been gracious to us, righteous to us, merciful to us. He has bestowed His blessings. How can I say thanks for the many things He has done? What can I render unto the Lord for all the bountiful blessings He's done for me? I give you our, I, we give you our praise. We give you our worship. We give you our hearts. We, we God, seek you in the fullness of joy. We, we worship you, Lord. We, we realize, God, whether it's with an extended hand or an outstretched arm or whether, God, it is with, Lord, a prayer of praise or a song of worship or whether it is, God, with a hand clap of praise. Whatever it is, God, we owe you everything because you're great and greatly to be praised. Father, as we get ready to leave this place today, go to and fro our destination. Father, I pray that the providential hand of the Lord goes with us. Father, I pray today that you would allow us to hear from heaven. I pray today, God, you would allow us got the opportunity to leave this place knowing God has been so Father, may you bless us and keep us. May you make your face shine upon us and be gracious to us and lift up your countenance towards us. Give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. God, our hearts until you come again. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and redeemer, in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Everyone together said amen. Before Brother Randy prays the benedictory prayer, don't forget to sign up for next week's, um, if you will, um, uh, church dinner. I found this the other day. Somebody sent this to me, and I want you to think through this every time you ever come to the altar. It's a little acronym they sent, and I love it. The A stands for ask God. Take it. That's called prayer. The second letter, L, once you take it to God, leave it with God. Don't take it back. Let Him have it. The third aspect of the altar is to trust that if you gave it to God, God's capable of handling what you gave to Him. The fourth letter, the letter A, is to accept it never was yours to carry because the Bible said take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy for you. Give it to God instead and then understand God has something different He wants you to carry. The last, R, the last letter, the letter R, when you get up, you release it. God, it's in your heart. It's in your hand. And when I get up from this altar, I get up from this, I am accepting the fact that it is not mine. The battle belongs to the Lord and God and you take it from here. If you remember that when you go to the altar and pray, I promise you, you'll have a different experience when you go down and when you get up every single time. Again, don't forget to sign up for the dinners and stuff that's coming up. Get the calendars and all that stuff. I'm going to ask Brother Randy to pray our benedictory prayer. And after that, you can consider to be dismissed. God bless you. We love you today.